Hey everybody, uh, it's Paul. Kate. Hey, John. And we're here. Uh, we're here back. We're back. We're back for another another episode of the Mad Men recap, and we're continuing to uh, recap season one. Uh, first off, I want to wish the two of you and everyone out there in listener land uh, a happy New Year. Oh, happy New Year, Paul. Happy New, happy New Year. Year. Okay, way to get excited about that, guys. <laughs> for Christ's sake, help me out. Uh, so, well, anybody, any, anyway, happy New Year to everyone else. Not, I'm, I'm retracting it from you two. Um, uh, we, were, we were a little uh, delayed by the holidays. Uh, I would like to uh, say that it was because of all the snow, but I think it's more just because of me. You were lazy. I was lazy. That John was not. No, <laughs> I wasn't. I, I, I'm, I, I, and I also see you've been practicing your madman skills, John. Well, thank you. Your madman recap skills you got I... extremely good. <laughs> thank um, you. Thank so, you. So, uh, it's a we, lot of work. It is a lot of work. We, we got to see John. Kate and I got to see John over the holiday, and we gave him a little bit of a, a madman Christmas present, didn't we? We did. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, I don't know... I don't know if um, if anybody knows this, but you can buy those Don Draper sunglasses that you see him wear in season three. Uh, and I always remember the time when he's at that little school production, the first the first or second time we see the school teacher and he's sitting outside and he's wearing the sunglasses. Oh, were they looking at the eclipse? Yeah, that was one of the times too. Yeah. And um, he's got these really great sunglasses on. And uh, I wanted a pair. So Kate and I researched it. And we found them, and you can buy them through the J. Peterman catalog, apparently. And, uh, a lot of good stuff in there, guys. So I got a set. Stuff. I got a set, and then I got John a set. And John, how are you liking them? Oh, they're fantastic. I have been wearing them every day, rain or shine, oh, down rain the highway. Shine. And I get a lot of looks. You get a lot of looks? <laughs> mostly shine. Mostly, mostly shine. Mostly shine. I'll be are honest. the looks from ladies or guys? But, uh, yeah. Okay. A little both. <laughs> What's that? A little both. Little of both. Well, that's exciting, nonetheless. Okay, I can see we're yeah. having a little trouble warming up here in the new year, so we'll just jump into things. Um, we got three episodes that we're uh, we're we're doing this time: New Amsterdam, Five G, and Babylon. Uh, in the three, we see Rapey P. Campbell get fired. We see that brothers got a hug. And uh, indeed, I sleep on a bed of money, John. Yeah, you wish you did. I wish but, I did. That's uh, right. You know, so the, the first episode, the episode uh, New Amsterdam, we get started right away with uh, how do you refer to Mr. Campbell? Ravy Pete. There you go. So he starts <laughs> off. Uh, we're, we're listening to him and the boys taking in a Bob Newhart show, and Trudy comes in to take him away and show him an apartment that she wants. In what part of town is that? Uh, I believe they're on the Upper East Side. Okay. And is they that, are pretty that, high up there. I think they're in the 80s, actually. Yeah. yeah. Is that a nice part of town? Uh, like they say, they actually say this in the episode. It does get a little dodgy. I think the dad says it gets a little dodgy over like 78th. And, uh, and his mom says, no, 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 not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they get dodgy above 89th. And it's, it's kind of still like that today. All right. Know. Upper East Side right. isn't very cool. I have, a, I have a feeling it was probably more so cool in the 60s. It was richer. Yeah. Anyway. 
But before they get to the apartment, probably one of the, the funniest lines of the show, uh, they're in the hall and Don walks by him. And so Pete finally gets to introduce Don to Trudy. And uh, Don's very, very complimentary of him and says, I think we're almost as lucky to have him as you are. And Trudy says, oh, I don't think that's possible. Don snaps right back with, well, maybe you're right. And it was hysterical. <laughs> that is good. That is, Don's the best. So they go, just... they go to look at this apartment, and uh, Pete has some reservations. He's not so, uh, he's not so sure they can afford it, John. He doesn't make that much money, he says. Well, it's true. I mean, yeah. 10% down is one year of his salary. Indeed. I mean, it is... It's way out of his price range. And uh, she wants to re- rely on mom and daddy money bags to help him out. Yeah. And you know, I think Pete wants to, Pete, Pete thinks that's, uh, you know, the wife doing a little too much, I think. And, and um, you know, we see how this goes as far as him trying to get money from his parents and uh, vice versa. It's quite the dramatic dichotomy. Indeed. Well, it's emasculating, I guess, to a point. Very much. But, I mean, he starts out emasculated. So where do you go from there? I feel like his whole... Yeah, that's his, uh, his character is just emas- it's emasculated Pete Campbell. <laughs> he has a rough episode this episode, I gotta tell you. He really does. It's you know, not and, a good episode to be Pete. No, because, I mean, you know, he goes. That's it's kind of where we go next is he sees his, uh, his dad. He's asking his dad for money. And, man, does his dad come down hard on him. He does. Uh, he doesn't understand advertising. He calls it whoring. Um, and They're refuses. illusions. Sorry. Yes. And refuses the money. You know, he's like, nope, not going to do it. And uh, and then Pete brings up, I get apparently some very nasty episode from the recent past involving uh, his brother and his dad. Hey, everyone. Everyone has skeletons in their closet, John. Everyone? How about you? Moving on. Okay. Uh, you know, and he doesn't even, he can't even fess up to it to Trudy. No. He just claims he didn't ask for the money. You know, and then um, we'll stay on this storyline for a minute because, you know, they go over to dinner with Trudy's parents and you just see the complete opposite, not just in how the parents are, but how they treat Pete. You know, his dad goes on and on about how awesome the advertising gig is. Yeah. You know, uh, he's very... But, but still doesn't give him any respect on it. It's pretty much, oh, man, you have a great job. All you do is hang out and drink and see pretty girls all day. He's right. Like, no, 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 it's complicated. Lots of math. Right, and, and you're right. He glosses over that. He's like, ah, keep that to yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're right. He doesn't seem to really care to respect Pete's wishes to build up anything. He just wants to give him the, the apartment. Well, I, I did kind of like that point of view. You know, waiting's overrated. Start your life. You know, if you have access and the means, why not? Because, John, then you don't appreciate it. Oh, I, I think he will. Okay. All right. Uh, well, and I, I, let's, just, let's just stand Pete through this. Because then, you know, so Pete's, Pete, throughout this episode, is getting beaten down. And then they have this, uh, they have this pitch going on for the steel company. And uh, Don pitches this whole idea that every city is made of steel. And uh, um, the... Oh, this is a good one. The client, the, the client doesn't like it, you know? And uh, Pete's like, you know, I got ideas. And John's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so uh, he's just pretty much like, you know, take the client out. You know, that's your job is to keep them happy. Right. You know? And yeah. so while they're out and Pete brings by some uh, ladies of the night. Pulls. You know what was really weird, though, in this, where you're going with this? Sorry to interrupt, but in this scene, did you notice that Cosgrove is there? It's the weirdest thing. Did you I, see that? I did. Cosgrove likes whores, I think. I don't disagree, but like he doesn't have a speaking role, and I think he's on scene for all of a, a second and a half. Well, I think you know because this is before you know in season three where they pit the two guys against each other. Chances right. are, since they're young, they just make them both go. Okay. Just to kind of uh, check each other, you know. But you wouldn't think so because that's more money. Like the whole thing is covered by the company. You don't think the company would pay for two guys? Well, but they're but they're both they're both there. To make sure the client is getting everything they want, so you're okay. going to put that other guy there just to reassure, to just to ensure um, that nothing goes awry. But the other thing is, we'll go ahead and, and finish off with a scene then. Well, so yeah, so uh, they're sitting there, and uh, and he says, he says, you know, to the guy who just met his cousins, who were very attractive wait, wait. and friendly. Uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, that uh, steals the backbone. Okay, I didn't hear that. Yeah, okay. Steel is the back when he pitches that whole thing. And okay. then um But see uh, this is this is why I thought that was odd. Why would you why would you overstep your bounds in front of a coworker? You know, with Ken there. Yeah, That's, that was the other thing. Ken's not but, really listening. And <laughs> he, it's He's and hanging it's, out with one of the cousins. And Ken doesn't care. You know, in essence Ken Ken's on Pete's side, right? Well, they're at the same level at this point. I mean, exactly. One is the other. And so, you know, he, he's on your team. It's not like Ken's on, because yes, if, you know, if they were out with, with one, you know, if they'd been out with Paul Kinsey, yeah, then you probably don't want to say anything because mm -hmm. he's on the creative side and he's going to tell Don that you're yeah. pitching ideas. Um, but he's out with Ken and Ken's, Ken's on his, his side of the business. So okay. it's, it, 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 it makes sense. Um, but pretty much the client says, hey, okay, listen, I'm out. I'm having a good time. Uh, you know, I guess you guys, are, you know, Don must, Don must really be trying to sell this through if he's having you tell me. And Pete's like, all right. Uh, and then the next day when they go to the meeting, uh, Don's showing the, the work that he's, he's kind of reworked and he hasn't really done much to it. Um, and the client says, Hey man, uh, I like this backbone idea. Don's a little angry. He says, what I want you to do, Pete is that once you get yourself a box and get out of here. And, and Pete does what everybody would do in that situation. Cries. Drinks. Drinks and cries. In that order. And then goes and tells... Uh, no, he doesn't go and tell doesn't. anybody. No, no, no. How does Roger find out? Yeah, how does Roger find out? Well, Don tells Roger. Don goes, remember, remember Pete Campbell's last day at Sterling Cooper? It's today. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, and, and Roger has no problem with it. No, no, not at all. He, I mean, what, he's, he's like, that little shit. Yeah. Doesn't like him. Nope. Um, but then um, Bert, Bert Cooper says, no, 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 we can't have this. His name is, you know, his name is too much. And, uh, and you know, his parents will be talking bad about Ster Sterling Cooper all, all summer. Um, but I thought the way he did it, it was like, you know, Bert really comes off as like grandpa. You know, oh, he's yeah. got that real quiet... But really, you know, you're not going to, my way is the way. But he does it in a real quiet, gentle way. He's fantastic to listen to. 
He's amazing. Um, okay. So then after Bert says they're keeping him, uh, uh, you know, they have to, so they have to go unfire him. And Roger makes, makes an incredible, incredibly brilliant move. It was probably one of his best scenes when he just bursts into Pete's office, who's, you know, crying and drinking and just, just lays into him. Uh, Remarkable, you know, saying that Don saved his job, that he wanted him out. Bert wanted him out. You owe, you know, you owe him his allegiance. Um, It it was, what do you think? Well, you know, when he, he, he knows that if they just go in there and say, okay, you're, you know, you're not fired and they walk out. Pete's going to hate Don, you know? Instead, Roger says, Don was in there fighting for you, man. Me and me and Cooper wanted to fire you. We hate you. But Don was in there fighting for you. Like, you know, he's your, he's your commanding officer. You would follow him anywhere. And, I mean, it works. It works on Pete. And Pete, you know, is just like, okay, I'll never let you down. I'm a douche. Pretty much. And even then, he yells at him. Um, so then the, the other big thing in this episode that, that kind of prolongs into other episodes is, uh, we, here we get to meet creepy little Glenn, creepy little Glenn. Uh, he is the, uh, son of, and do you remember her name? I'm sorry, folks. I forgot this lady's name. Helen Bishop. Helen Bishop. Helen Bishop. Helen Bishop, uh, is the single mom in the neighborhood and, uh, and, and Glenn is her son. And he's kind of got uh, he's got that serial killer walk to him, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Just oh, just real quick, you, you know, um, Betty walked uh, walked by and saw the ex husband trying to break in or get in to visit. Yeah. And then Helen swings by later to tell Betty kind of the whole story about why they broke up. Yeah. Um, and that kind of gave him a little bond. So when Helen needed help a little bit later, she called up and said, "Hey, come watch it." Uh, acquiesces and, and comes over. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, uh, little Glenn says, "Hey, you're pretty," and Betty says, "Okay, thank you." And then uh, eventually Betty has to go to the restroom, and then you, you hear the door jingle jangle. And who is it, Glenn? Breaking in, Glenn opens the door, just stares at her on the pot. Betty's like, "Someone is in here," and Glenn's like, oh. "It was so creepy. That was, was really creepy." creepy. Did did Helen and Ravy Pete? have a love child at some point because i feel like <laughs> helen and ravy Pete, yes had an international love child and his name is glenn <laughs> he he's the, he is he is the but, child uh, of the you queen. know and then a- and then after that weird incident you know a chunk of her hair yes he does he asks for a, a lock of uh betty's hair and betty's like no mm, okay doesn't he also that, and that's later? also weird show uh run away for a little while and sleep out in their no no that's a while ago that's that's down the that's road that's a ways away right okay yeah uh, yeah we're, that's we're, we're talking about three episodes here okay i know i'm just... did you forget the show format oh okay i'm sorry i have to take a walk that's all right break. i'm sorry okay okay um so yeah that pretty much rounds out this episode i know folks were skipping some stuff but we got three episodes here so we're just hitting the big stuff so the next episode um is 5g um this episode is actually you know when, when you think about watching season one for the first time this is a huge breakthrough episode because the main theme here uh the main thing that happens is we meet don's younger brother 
I believe his name is Adam. And it's it's his it's his half brother. It is his same dad, different mom. Yeah. And you're right. It, it's a it's a huge uh, you know finding because this I like how they do it. You know, normal business day. He's having a meeting. Knock knock. You need something. Here's this guy. His name's Adam Whitman. And like everything stops. You know, it's indeed uh, how, how how it happens is and, and it's how the episode starts. Uh, Don uh, and Sterling Cooper win an win an award for advertising. Turns out um, Adam is a janitor at the Empire State Building. And one night while he's going in uh, the office, he sees this article um, about Don uh, in the newspaper or in a uh, actually in a trade magazine, picks it up, sees it's Don or Dick Whitman and uh, and can't believe it. It says that he works for Stern Cooper, so he knows where to find him. And uh, and that's when he shows up. Right. And, and it's, uh, you know, Don has a terrible time with it. And you can understand why I thought he left all this behind out of nowhere. He's found out and um, he kind of brushes him off at first. You know, can I help you? I think you got the wrong person. Uh, and then he agrees to meet him out at a coffee shop. And you can see that. I mean, it is, you can see that he clearly struggles with it. It's not that he has anything against uh, Adam. It's just, he can't, Adam, take, right, right. he can't take well, the chance. Right. Well, he, he's struggling with even acknowledging him. You know, he, he's been in that denial state, this new character of his for so long. Uh-huh. He's, he's actually having a tough time acknowledging who that is, you know, at, in the office. Oh, sure. Well, his old life is a threat to this new one. and In his yeah. mind. Yeah. And he's, well, and he's just worried, like, is this guy going to take advantage of me? Does he want money? Does he want... And all he really wants is... Just to know him. Yeah. And and partly, and this is something that uh, kind of comes through is uh, when when they talk and Don asks, you know, is so and so alive? Is you know, uncle alive? Uh, he pretty much says every all of the family has died. In essence, he's alone. And then one day, a member of your family comes back to life. In essence, um, I mean, it's really it's really a huge thing for both of them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There he is in New York. Family's all dead, and and you know Dick's resurrected. Yeah, Pretty. and you know to to kind of take the the storyline all the way through, you know Don uh, Don kind of runs out of their their little lunch meeting, saying you know this this never happened, um, that uh, you know he didn't want him to be part of his life, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he gives him a call a little bit later on in the episode. To see, you know, where he is, what apartment he's in, which is uh, apparently 5G, and it's. I think they did it very. I think they did it pretty well. You know, I think what they're trying to do is to make you think he's going to kill him. Um, they do. They they do a really good job of that because. And I know folks were skipping around in this episode, but I don't know. Uh, I never believed it. I never really thought that. I always thought when no. I was watching the show, it's like, oh, they're going to make us think he's going to kill him. Like I never ever thought, oh, he's going to kill him. You know, I, I thought no, there was exactly. something else going on I- entirely, but they they try and make it that way because you can't see what he's getting out of the uh, desk to put in the briefcase, and he wears like the creepy trench coat, and it's like the only time you see him without a tie. You know, he's got very much a different look to him, um, and he gets there, and uh, you know his brother has his back to him, making a drink, and he goes to open up the briefcase. Uh, so all of that, all of that tension, but really, it's just to offer him money to to head out. 
you know, leave New York. Yeah. And I mean, and I guess this is where you, you can, you, you grasp at whole, he's all alone because $5,000, that's a lot of money now. That's an impressive amount of money then. And, uh, I mean, he, it doesn't phase him. I mean, he, he doesn't care about the money at all. Right. Well, no, I mean, it's not, yeah, you're right. He's completely alone and it really crushes him more than anything. Yeah. He gives down a, he gives down a huge, uh, uh, a huge brother's got a hug hug. And, uh, and then Don leaves. And I mean, Don feels, feels bad about it because he's a nice guy, this Adam kid. Right. Right. He just doesn't want to have anything interrupt his current life as is. You know, I think it's really, I think it makes it easy to put it in perspective from a money standpoint because he drops him $5,000. And we just heard last episode how Pete, exactly. uh, you know, who was not exactly making, you know, um, nothing. You know, he's got a real job, a night, you know, regular paying job, and he's making 3500 a year. Yeah. Uh, so you can, you can imagine what a janitor is pulling down. Exactly. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, a huge it's like, amount of money. It's probably two years, two years work. The other, the other big storyline in this episode, which is much, much lighter and uh, borderline hilarious, is uh, uh, Bucktooth Ken Cosgrove. Bucktooth. Uh, I he just he seems he seems podunk. Yeah, he's the kind of guy, you know. And that's why the Bucktooth comes instead of making the the sound effect. I'm just going to call him Bucktooth Ken Cosgrove. Um, who knew? Creative genius writes a story for the Atlantic, gets it in, and the whole office, that the whole group of guys that all run together, insanely jealous. Insanely. Really, especially that bastard Paul Kinsey. Oh, they all were. I know, but especially him because you know he sees himself as an intellectual, and he is, you know, he he's a guy's copywriter. Something. Oh, he's just a douche, right? I can't stand. Um. <laughs> well, and and so even Pete. Pete, who, you know, thinks he has ideas, as we saw in the last episode, and clearly doesn't, um, is like, you know, he goes home, we talk to Trudy. He says, Trudy, you know, uh, that Ken Cosgrove, he writes and then he gets the Atlantic. He's like, I write stories. No, no, but stories. I, I, I don't think he cares at all about the stories. I think what really sold it was, you know, when he goes, you know, people know who he is. My father reads the Atlantic. Oh, that's you true. know, it was I think that's what really got him is that this guy who has a very similar position now has some national recognition He's because of mark. his literature. I mean, what's literature? mark is Rapey Pete making? Rapey Pete makes only... Oh, well, I guess when you say what mark is Rapey Pete making, he's making an individual mark. Uh, slow but steady. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, he says this to dinner to Trudy, right? And he, she, she's like, hey, what about... Uh, what about that guy you used to date? He's uh, he's in publishing. Charlie Fittich. Thank you, John. No problem. Brilliant. So, you know, why don't you go talk to Chuck? And she's like, I don't know. You know, he was kind of, we used to date and found him up first. She was really uncomfortable, you could tell. Clearly, visibly, visibly uncomfortable. And he's like, no, 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 I'm over that. I'm bigger than that. Just why don't you, uh, why don't you wear something cute? Well, no, and, uh, he didn't go even talk to him. He didn't even say he was bigger than that. He actually used that. He goes, "Well, then this will make up for that." Yes, like, indeed. I mean, that was just terrible. He's a terrible man. He is. He is. So there's the uh, there's the scene where Trudy goes and talks to the guy. What's his name again, John? 
Charlie Fittich. Charlie Fitch. Fittich. Fittich. Like Glenn Fittich? Yeah. So Chucky Fittich. She's in his office, and uh, and he's like, ah, I, read your, I read a story. Not good, but uh, I'll get it published. But uh, could you sleep with me? And she's like, I'm married. I'm, I'm a newlywed. I can't sleep with you. And he's like, I've just been thinking about you. And she, she's like, well, maybe when we're older and it'll be romantic. And he says, I don't want you when you're older. At least he's honest. <laughs> I want you now. That's right. And uh, so pretty much the best, the best non-sex publishing you can get is an uh, uh, excerpt in Boy's Life. Oh, and he is so, he was so pissed off when it's he heard that. It's magazine, John. It is. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've actually, I've, I've been published. I got some research and I got it published. And it, it was like the Southern Medical Journal. Like, I never heard of it. But it was super excited. You know, sure. he got something published. Like, I can't, I couldn't believe that this guy, you know, Pete, I don't think has ever had anything published. And the fact that he got something which didn't deserve it to get into a magazine and to be angry was ridiculous. My, uh, favorite and then it got even. Then it get even gets even worse when she gets all upset and tells him she could have got it in the New Yorker, um, you know. And then he's like, "Well, why didn't you?" I mean, it pretty much, you know, said she should have prostituted herself. He did. <laughs> in this episode, we could have changed his name to Pimpy Pete Camp. <laughs> exactly. Pimpy Pimpy Pete. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, this is this is back to back episode where Pete, you know, first he gets beaten down, and then in this episode, you don't really mind that he got beaten down. Because he's obviously a soulless douche. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, Kinsey's, a, Kinsey's an ass, but I don't think he's as bad as Campbell. Or maybe no, he is. Not at all. You know, that Ken Cosgrove, though, just to, uh, just, just to point it in the other direction here, he, uh, he's going around showing that article to everybody like six times. I he's would. Got it, he's I don't, got it I don't blame him for that. I know. But he's got I mean, it he's, folded, he's, and it's, st it's sticking out of his suit jacket. He's that just trying front, to compensate for something, Paul. What's he compensating for, Kate? I don't know. We're just going to have to leave that to our listeners. A small shoe size? Possibly. A big, a big nose? Problem, perhaps? An ego problem? Ego problem? Ego right. problem. Yeah. Or the buck teeth. The buck, maybe he's compensating for the buck teeth and the <laughs> attitude. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, you can't blame him for that. You know, his, his job is uh, in accounts at an advertising firm. And it gets something published. I mean, that, that would be really exciting. Do you need to keep it in the outside of your uh, of, of your suit jacket, though, John? Yes. Well, because otherwise it bulges. It would make, if you kept it on the inside suit jacket, it would look weird. That makes no sense. Listeners, I want you to write in and tell Kate and John that that is stupid. No, no. I think people will agree with us. That no if you're one's going to agree it on, with you. If there's, you're not listener, it... there's not a listener on the Intertron out there in the Intertron world, John. I think, agree with that. I, think we'll be, I think you'll be proven wrong here. Let's be modest. Because if you're going to keep it on you, you're not going to keep it on the inside. That looks terrible. You're not. You too. You too. You're not. Have you ever seen anybody with a magazine in the, or anything in their outside suit pocket? Yes. Homeless people. Homeless people is the answer to that. Homeless people don't have those kind of jackets. They do. They find them. And they don't often <laughs> get published either. Um, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. So, anyways, Listen. The, one, the, <laughs> the one other thing from the episode that I liked was the one advertising um, bit that they had for the banking. The first federal. 
Oh, the executive account job. Yeah. Did you like that? I I did. I did. I no. I thought it was. It was kind of. Uh, it was. It was it was kind of a kind of an add on like it, it wasn't it wasn't essential to the story but it was a good little advertising bit. All right. And it certainly did and it, it it certainly did make sense with the kind of life that Don and Roger lead lead for right sure. the separate lives. Yeah. Uh, in Don's case, very very separate. The only other little thing I'll mention from this episode is um, Peggy for the first time sees the real Don. Because he's going, because Midge calls, and it's like, hey, why don't you come over for some afternoon delight? And is that uh, her name really? It's Midge, isn't it? It is. It is for some af- for some afternoon delight. And Don says, I'll be right there. Don't call me at the office. But Peggy had accidentally picked up the phone and heard it all go down. Right, but then she then she misunderstood because when Don was at lunch with his brother, yeah. she thought he was out with his mistress, and so she goes to tell Peggy, or um, I'm sorry, goes to tell Joan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then Joan tells her what to do as far as uh, entertaining Don's family. And then Don shows up late. They go get the pictures. And uh, she never needed to tell Joan. You know, but, one thing uh, I'll, I'll mention as from watching these three episodes is you really kind of get the whole uh, uh, in the first season. Uh, it, it's much better between Betty and Don. They're definitely there's more there's more tender time. Uh, Betty, uh, in one of the episodes, and I think it's in this, in this third one that we're starting Babylon, it pr- pretty much just tells Don, my whole life is waiting for you to come home. Yeah. I mean, they're much, she is, she is still very much in love with Don and sees him, um, as the rest of the world does. Yeah. But you want, you want to just start in then on the third episode? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the third episode, the third episode, Babylon, starts off with Don making um, breakfast for Mother's Day for uh, for Betty, but he uh, slips on a toy and falls down the stairs. And I think this is one of the first flashbacks we see of um, of Don's childhood. Um, and it's uh, the little flashback. Uh, it all kind of happens. It still happens in his home, but it's as if all the people from his past are in there. And it's the scene where uh, his brother Adam is born. And they say, this is your new baby brother. And uh, he says, that's not my brother. Because they're, right, not, nope. they're not full-on brothers. Because the guy, the guy in the flashback actually isn't his dad. It's his no. uncle. But right. they, they do share the same dad, him and Adam. Right. And then, the, you're right, the mom says something about, oh, you know, how, how beautiful. I'm naming him after the first man. Um, and then, then he breaks out of it, you know. Uh, Betty and the kids see him at the bottom of the stairs, and he comes out of his flashback. Right, right. Uh, you know, and then it goes right into the end of the day. So that was beginning of Mother's Day, and then the whole family goes out. They have a good time. The kids get balloons. They put down the kids. They go to bed. Um, you know, Betty has, like, a little nostalgia moment about how pretty her mom was and how she doesn't want to get old and unattractive and, and would like to stay pretty like her mom. Um and then I thought this was a great scene. So it transitions from that. Um, Don starts to get like a little flirty uh, with her. And he was like, you know, how are, how are you in your class of advanced reproduction? And Betty says, you know, she completed it and she got an A. And Don says, I have flunked. And Betty says, that's because you got caught cheating. And there's a great like half second moment oh. of awkwardness um, because he cheats on her and and she knows that. I mean, even in this, even now, she knows he sees other women. 
You think she just so? Doesn't. Oh, yeah. absolutely. She actually says so later on through her therapist, how she can smell other women on him. How she, you know, plus with all the just having talked to Helen Bishop in the last episode about how her husband was always doing stuff in the right. city and it was never men. Um, I, I think even now Betty knows it's not on the up and up. Right. But I, I thought that was fantastic. That just that little tiny second of delay, and then then they start making out, and like you said, she launches into a really tender um, soliloquy on on how her whole day really revolves around on waiting for him and wanting him to be with him and, and spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we move uh, onto the office where um, Gan gets a project that seems to be uh, very very difficult for him. Um, it's a big Jewish project. Uh, what, now, what, who, who are these people that came in, John? They're the people that are in, in charge of uh, Israeli tourism. Um, they, uh, they just, I don't know if, if you caught that connection, but the, apparently, um, Sterling Cooper was responsible, taking credit for the giant statue of Jesus in Rio. They did, yes, I did catch that. <laughs> and so, um, that, that got them noticed nationally. And so the, uh, the Israeli group is coming to them, uh, having seen that, wanting to have them help them set up uh, tourism. And I got to say, they're not they're not very positive on the whole possibility, um, even in that first meeting of Israel being a place that anyone would want to go. I don't know. The, the one guy says that, uh, you know, they, they want to try and set Haifa up as the Rome of the Middle East. No, 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 no. The, the, the three in charge of, uh, of, yes, Israel tourism are, but neither Don or Roger are. Oh, right. They're, I mean, for, 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 being, uh, for being a prospective client, they're not, they don't seem very interested. And Don struggles with it throughout this episode. And he, call, he calls the only Jew he knows, apparently. I don't know. I, I really think that he just played it up from a difficulty standpoint in order to get use that as an excuse to talk to her. To, I mean, Don's a smart guy. There's a lot of other places he could have gone. I, I really think this was just a, uh, a handy coincidence to give him an excuse to call her up because he, he, you know, he has a thing for her. Oh, indeed, which I still don't understand. I don't, I don't share the thing for, for Miss Mencken. You don't? It's fine, you I don't, don't have to. Kate? Well, I don't know. There was, a, there was a, an email we got um, that pointed out that scene as far as, uh, you know, he really thinks that she is kind of up there on, on his level as far as an intelligence. She's not easily, you know, manipulated. She's complex. She's um, a challenge. And, and she's a challenge. challenge. And he got, and he, he saw that when he took her out to, uh, for cocktails to make up for his behavior. True. Uh, back, back in the beginning. So you always I, want what you can't have. Am I right, John? The, 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 the grass is always greener. <laughs> okay. Or sandier. Uh, you know what, what else we, we, uh, we learn in this episode? Uh, Tell me. We, we have this scene where um, Mona um, and daughter come in to see Roger. Um, what's the daughter's name? Margaret. God. Uh, Margaret's kind of being kind of a uh, know, hard to handle. Kind of a brat. Kind of bratty. That's the word. That's the word. And... Uh, and Joan comes over and says, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get her haircut. Uh, they ask Joan where they can get the best haircut. Of course, Joan knows because Joan knows everything. And then uh, after, after they kind of walk away, they go to this next scene where Roger's in bed talking about 
you know, having a teenage daughter. And, you know, initially you think he's probably talking to Mona, but we find out that not, 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 not true. Uh, he's talking to Joan because him and Joan, John, are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. And so uh, that that is, that is kind of a surprise. I like them but, together. But we find out it's been going on for some time. Oh, indeed, it has, yes. Uh, and they, you know, they Roger are, says that this has are, been the best year of his life. It is, and they are a great match. And actually, it kind of foreshadows a little something. Like, he is... He is trying to figure out how to, and this is this is kind of shown in this episode. He is trying to figure out how he can keep Joan. He knows that Joan's a hot ticket, and shown uh, by the fact like he's like, why don't you, why don't you get you know your own apartment? And she's like, no. Joan very much wants to be her own person. Uh, Roger would leave Mona for Joan right now, but Joan always gives off this air of no, I'm, I'm Joan, you know. Back off. And um, Roger's pretty much like, I wish I could just lock you in a room and just have you all to myself. And then um, at the end of the episode, they're in the hotel room together, and he actually bought her a bird uh, because she said living without a roommate would be lonely. Uh, so he's like, what if I get you a bird? And he buys her a bird, but I really feel like uh, that, was, that was a metaphor for Joan. Uh, because well, it's a metaphor for their relationship. Like that's how he wants to keep her. Well, I th- also I also feel like it's potentially yes, it's a metaphor for the relationship, but also kind of Joan's life. Like she's real pretty, uh, but she can't break out of this cage of just being real pretty. And it, it shows that it, that that happens. It's shown in other ways. It's during Cooper later later in the series, but um, she's trapped in this cage in many ways. Uh, absolutely, and she's. I think you, as the viewer, see how much more she is, and I think she also struggles with that, you know, because that's, you know, she she says that she's looking for a more permanent situation, which for most women is getting married. That's it. Not to someone you know, who's so, already married. What's that? And and not to someone who's already married. Right. Right. Absolutely. So that that is that, that's a great um, dynamic that they set up in this episode. I actually really like getting back to Don um, and Rachel uh, when they did meet up for lunch so he could ask her questions about the tourism. I really like their little interchange there, especially the her explanation of Israel and, and what her opinion of it is. And then at the very end, do you remember when she was talking about the, the utopia? Yeah. I thought that was fantastic because she was actually talking about her and him. Um, the two meanings, one means the good place and the other is the meaning is uh, that which cannot be. Right. And that's, you know, talking about the two of them. That was fantastic. As always very well written, but I felt as if this, this storyline in this episode was just going nowhere for me. It was another excuse to get Mencken on the show and for Don to see her, but it, it never goes anywhere. What are you talking about? What I just said. Well, I mean, it, you you mean like in this episode? Because it didn't do much in this episode, but it does go somewhere I down the road. Am I yeah. am I forgetting this? They eventually. Yeah, they're they're an item. Do they do it? They do. Yeah. Their couch. Do you remember this? I missed this one. Yeah. They do the well, nasty. Well, you'll get to it. Well, that's, guess that's, that's, this is this is coming up. 
This is coming up. You'll just have to be surprised, Paul. God, jeez. Uh, so uh, <laughs> another big thing that happened in this episode is we we light the fire that is Peggy in this episode. This is the um, and it really is um, uh, uh, drunk uh, Rumson. Uh, what, what's his name? Freddie. Freddie Rumson. Freddie Rumson really is. You know, it's funny because then later on she takes his office because he bees himself to getting fired, but. Uh, He's the one that notices her and actually talks about her to Don. Um, and what happens uh, here is they're testing out lipsticks. Um, the brand they're working on has like a million shades, but they're still losing customers. This is the Beljolie. 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 Very, very good. Um, and uh, so they bring all the hens in. Uh, to uh, test out the lipstick to try to see if there's any insight they can gain. And it's funny because all the guys in the office go uh, beside the, uh, b- behind the two-sided glass and watch these girls uh, try on lipstick, which is stupid. Juvenile. Juvenile, and, and I'm... <clears throat> I don't know. It, it didn't seem very exciting to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Women putting on lipstick isn't sexy to you, Paul? Women putting on lipstick is not is not really no, exciting. it's totally sexy. Is it? And especially back then, then, you know. I don't know. Sex wasn't as though, you know, like in your face or whatever. In my face? Yeah. Whereas today, everywhere I go, sex in my face. Yeah. Which is uncomfortable. <laughs> sex in your face. Moving on. Uh... So uh, when, uh, they're, you know, they're done trying on the lipsticks, Peggy had only tried on one. No, she didn't try on any. Oh, I thought she. Oh, that's right, because her color got taken. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, you know, so she's helping clean up a little bit, and she says to uh, Rumson, uh, "It's like a buck. Here's here's a bucket of kisses. Basket. Basket. Bat. You're right. Basket Unless you of like them wet and sloppy. Yes, exactly. Um, Rumson will take notice. Ask her about her having only one shade. Blah 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 blah." And uh, and that's this this is what starts Peggy off. And what's great is they have Joan, who's inside the cage, come over and tell Peggy that they want her to do they want her to do some copywriting. Well, and I think Freddie had one of the great lines of the episode when he comes in to talk to Don, and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's not that he respects her as uh, a copywriter, but he just thinks she might have some different ideas. <laughs> Because when she said those things, he tells Don, it was like watching a dog play the piano. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty awful. <laughs> no? Kate doesn't think that's funny? Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, 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 it's pretty good. Uh, but I think... Oh, and then uh, this, this episode ends with one of just the best, the best uh, Don lines and just kind of... Uh, great uh, scenarios is he goes over to see Midge, and I mean he is he is gonna he's gonna do it. He's 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 excited to see her, um, and he gets a knock knock knock, and a worthless hippie is at the door. Beatnik, beatnik, douche. <laughs> I can't I couldn't stand him the whole time he was talking. I just was I punching the air. He has a name, my friend. Well, what? <laughs> What's his name, John? Roy. Oh, just Roy? Just Roy. Oh, he's so anti-establishment, just annoying. <laughs> it's just, it's too much for me. And oh, um, he, he plays it up. He does it the way he's supposed oh, to. He d- I, I don't want to say that I've met this guy before, but I have. 
And I hate him. I hated him when I met him and I hate him in this episode. Um, and so he finds out that Dan's in, Don's in advertising and he's, you know, pretty much, how do you sleep at night? And Don looks right at him and says, on a bed of money. But, you know, it tells him, he doesn't, you don't even have a job. What do you do? He's like, oh, I work, I work at a playhouse, man. And Midge is going to, Midge is going to paint some scenes for us. And Midge, Midge is like, I didn't say that. He's like, no, man, we're going to. We're going to talk about our feelings and read numbers out of the phone book. It's going to be beautiful. It's stupid. But, you know, like the two guys really have it out as far as the back and forth. And I, I think Midge kind of calls them on it. It's like, hey, you guys want to head to the bathroom and poke it out? Seriously. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I'm t- of course, as always, totally on Don's side on that one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's, that's where it ends. The three of them head out to a, to a bar to listen to a friend play some music. He comes up, he plays a, a really kind of uh, soft ballad, and they do a nice job of really bouncing around. You know, they show uh, Don and then Betty and Sally and then Roger and Joan, um, all while with this music going on in the background. It was really, I thought, a neat ending to the show for them. And I think embarrassingly, we've, we've missed uh, what the title's all about with Babylon. Uh do you want to try to redeem us on that? Well, the, the the title of the song that the friend sings at the very end is Babylon. Right. But, I mean, should have we done some research about Babylon to kind of see where the where the two come together? Uh, no, we can, we can throw that one out to the listeners. Hey, listeners, prove that we're stupid. No, come on. I'm sorry. Prove that we're stupid <laughs> and, and figure out what, what Babylon uh, means. And we'll, we'll give you full credit on the show. If we had any swag, we'd send it to you, but we don't. So we won't. Um, but I think that, that brings us, you know, that, that brings us up to the, our, our listeners for this show. John, let me tell you that we have the best listeners on the Intertron. So creative. The best. They're really fantastic. They're my favorite. We've gotten, uh, we've got, we got three emails of note in the past, uh, holiday season in a couple of weeks. Um, we, we received, and I don't, I don't want to say our first, but, uh, off the top of my head, our first overseas email, uh, from a listener in Australia. And we're, we're glad you're wishing in. His name is, uh, Graham. Uh, they have not received, uh, season three yet. Uh, he just got uh, season two on DVD, and the suspense is killing him. And we want you to keep listening to the show, Graham, uh, and uh, enjoy season two. I know I did. Me too. Yeah. And keep listening, pal. Uh, and uh, and don't listen to our season three episodes. It's going to ruin it for you. Um, <laughs> but keep listening. But keep listening, because we're not talking about that anymore. And we got another one from Paul in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Paul just wanted to write in, say he thought we were doing a good job. He really uh, went over. Uh, he was. This was the first one to comment on our season one uh, podcast, uh, kind of talking about the different things uh, that went on. And um, we want to say thanks a lot and uh, happy New Year to you, Paul. I'm going to apologize to Paul right now. Uh, Paul pointed out that I never remember the names to anyone, and how can I do? <laughs> how can I do a podcast about the show without remembering names? Well, Paul, we've got John on that now. If you noticed in this episode, we took note of what you wrote, and John is uh, Captain Name Patrol, uh, and he knew them all, even Roy. That was amazing, John. Congratulations <laughs> and well done. 
Well, thank you. Roy was the beatnik that I can't stand. Come on, Kate. Kate's not paying attention. Did you watch? Ah, forget it. Uh, and lastly, uh, and 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 I don't want to say uh, most hilarious, but indeed it was uh, uh, Laura. And we just got her email the other day. Uh, sent us uh, the six reasons uh, why we make her laugh. Number one was you give lessons of life to the young listeners, of which you have none. <laughs> Number two, you impersonate the three creeps, uh, Pete Campbell, Duck, and Henry Francis. Uh, and then she says when you hear him on the podcast, it's even creepier. Uh, number three, uh, she called out, and this was this was incredible. I had to call John, John about this almost immediately. The, um, sorry, our cat knocked over something. <laughs> sorry. Uh, this was good, though. I called John about this immediately. The, uh, Betty's a centaur. And uh, I mentioned this in uh, the last episode that we did for season three, just kind of off the cuff. Uh, I didn't expect anyone to hear it, let alone Photoshop Betty Draper's body onto a horse. <laughs> to, to, and now if you look down at your uh, iPhone or iPod, you'll see this photo um, that uh, uh, Laura did a magnificent job on. Um, Indeed, uh, you can. It's so photorealistic, Laura. Uh, I, I believe as if uh, she, she had a surgery done. Amazing. Number four, uh, she. What makes her laugh is that we have a hatred for Henry Francis and Betty, which she clearly shares. Uh, number five, uh, uh, we use the word douche a lot, uh, which I tried to put in a few extra douches for you on this show, Laura, so that you would continue to enjoy yourself. And number six. Uh, the conversation we had about Don and Henry Francis fighting, fist fighting. Who would win? Don, of course. You're right. Henry Francis doesn't look like he could fight his way out of... Looks like he might be able to know. run all right. He looks like a runner. Yeah. He, cut, he, he can cut and run. Yeah. Let me just say that's my favorite part of doing season one, is that we're not actually seeing Henry Francis. I love that idea. I love the fact that I don't have to look at his creepy face. Um, you know, John, uh, that, uh, speaking of Henry Francis and us talking about how much we hate him, uh, there was actually, and I don't know if our listeners saw this, but a, a comment on the, um, on, on the iTunes. Um, they gave us one star as a podcast, and they said it was because the idiot that's doing the show was talking about making I Hate Henry Francis t-shirts. I think now, that I, was a pro Henry Francis person that wrote that. I no, I did a little research and it was actually Henry Francis who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, everybody, uh, we're done with these three episodes. Uh, we hope you're still listening. Sorry it took us a little while to get this out. We'll try to be a little better, uh, but we got plenty of time till season uh, four hits. So don't you worry. And keep those um, emails coming. What now? Keep those emails coming. Keep, we love the emails. We'll, you know, if they're funny, we'll read them. If art, keep the art coming. Oh, the art, please. The more art you can do, the, the better. The more art, the better. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, wanted to... Don't Photoshop my or John or Kate's face on a picture of Henry Francis, though. Not cool. <laughs> Just mean. But once we have enough artwork, we can do a segment on the show called Listener's Drawings. Listener's Drawings. And uh, so, far we have, so far we have one. Pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a start. But it is amazing. Uh, so I'll post. I'll also post this, the centaur picture on the site when I post the show. 
And I'll also post a link uh, to where you, our listeners, can buy the same sunglasses that Don, Paul, and John own. They're only 60 bucks. Uh, it's quite a deal. And they're great sunglasses. They're actually, they're actually official aviator sunglasses for actual aviators, not just uh, hipsters that are douchebags. So, uh, Although it's okay for those people, too. No, it's not. Uh, so get yourself a pair. Go, Jay Peterman. And Any, anything else, to, John? I just wanted to, to wish uh, everybody involved with Mad Men good luck. The Golden Globes are one week away from today. And uh, I know the, the big actors are up. The show itself is up. And I think a couple more uh, awards as well. So good luck at the Golden Globes uh, next Sunday. This is true. And if any of the cast is listening and would like to be on the show, give us a call and we'll think about it. <laughs> and, and, and the answer will be yes. <laughs> All right, John. Well, uh, hopefully uh, next week or within the next two weeks, we can pump another one of these out. And, uh, that sounds great. And thanks for everybody well, for listening. That's right. We'll do the next DVD from season one. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Sadly, we forgot to mention that you can visit our website at madmanrecap.com where you can listen to the episodes and see interesting commentary and comment on how we're doing. And then also to send us all your drawings and interesting pictures, uh, just send that out to staff at madmanrecap.com. Can't wait. Thanks a lot.